What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Masters of Community podcast. My name is David Spinks, founder of CMX and VP of Community at Bevy. Each week, I bring you an expert who will help you take your community to the next level. Thank you so much for joining me. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey, everyone. I just want to give you a quick heads up that my new book, The Business of Belonging, How to Make Community Your Competitive Advantage, is now available anywhere where you can buy books on Amazon and any bookstore. It is the complete collection of everything I've learned from the last 13 years and how to build community for your business and all of the frameworks and models that the CMX team has developed to teach businesses how to do this work. It's all in here. I really appreciate all your support. You can go and order it now. We have a great interview today with the one and only Brian Oblinger, someone who I've known for a very long time in the world of community. He's been doing this work for over 20 years. He cut his teeth at Koros, built, he was running community strategy at Koros. If you don't know Koros, it's one of the leading community platforms in the world. So he got to work with all sorts of different companies and brands there. Then he went on to lead the team at Alteryx and built a really world-class community program. Today, he is consulting for a lot of different companies. He co-hosts the podcast In Before the Lock with Erica Cool, another amazing guest we've had here on the podcast. Brian is just a wealth of knowledge. Actually, part of the challenge in preparing for this interview was most people have a specific topic they focus on in the world of community, but Brian just is kind of a generalist. He knows so much about every aspect of community. So we talk a lot about kind of the state of the industry in this one. We talk about how to plan your community programs out for the long run. We talk about what community professionals need to be doing in order to help establish the community industry today and make sure that community truly does become a staple in the world of business over the next five to 10 years. A lot of good high-level debate and kind of theorizing in this one. I think there's a lot of super interesting insights. Uh, Hope you all enjoy it. Let's dive in. And we're going to try something new in this episode. Uh, would love to hear from all of you. Part of the challenge of doing a podcast is it's not very interactive. And so for a community builder like me, that's very stressful. I want to hear from you. I want to hear how the episodes are resonating with you. And so we're going to ask you to respond to us, respond to this episode. Just send an email to pod at cmxhub.com. Again, that's pod at cmxhub.com. And just share your responses to this episode or share an experience that you've had that's relevant to this episode. Share anything that comes to mind. And we're going to pick one of your responses to read at the end of a future episode. All right. So pod at cmxhub.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Brian, welcome to the show. Well, hey, thanks for having me. It's a rare honor. Well, I was telling you before we started that most of my guests have kind of like a specific area shtick of community that we can dive into. Like some people are experts in events, some are in influencing people, some in community engagement. But I just feel like you are an expert in so many things and all the conversations we've had have covered kind of the full gambit of community. So I had a hard time coming up with like, here are the couple topics that we're going to focus on and that I could send you questions on. Yeah, I mean, I've been very fortunate to do a lot of different things and have opportunities to do a lot of different things in community and and otherwise as well. So yeah, I'm an open book. Happy to talk about whatever and uh, try to do you justice here. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, you have a pretty vast experience with community because you ran strategy at Coros for a while back when it was Lithium. So that gave you an opportunity to work with a whole range of different kinds of companies. And then you built the community team up at Alteryx. And now you're consulting with a whole lot of different companies. And you have the awesome podcast with Erica Cool, who is one of our original guests here on the podcast and before the lock. Great podcast, by the way. I love Thank it. Thank you. Y'all go so deep into every topic. That was another thing that made it hard. I'm like, what's even the point of talking to Brian about something when he did an entire episode on just how to create like a community budget? Erica also wonders what the point of talking to me is, but that's a separate issue. (laughs) Love it. And so, well, I think you're working on some really cool stuff now. What's been really exciting to you these days in the projects that you're working on and, and what you're seeing in the community industry from your kind of broad vantage point? Yeah, I mean, I'm still working on a lot of B2B tech software, kind of my sweet spot, I would say. But what's been really interesting is actually kind of the things that are off the beaten path. So for example, I've worked with some companies lately that are doing like reality TV stuff and thinking about how community might apply to them. Mm. There's one company that I actually did this on a volunteer basis because I'm such a space geek, nerd, nut, whatever you want to call it, that did a little bit of sort of volunteer stuff with them around like space exploration and like building community around that. So it's just been really interesting to sort of branch out and get exposed to many different types of organizations and companies and causes and things that people are doing. I will say the one that I'm most proud of right now is working with a very brand new startup on mental health. And that has just been an incredible kind of journey to be along with them. And their passion is incredible. And the cause obviously is amazing and something that's near and dear to everybody's hearts, hopefully. So that one's been the one that at the end of the day, if I've been on calls all day for eight hours with six different companies or something, that's the one at the end of the day, my wife comes home and says, Hey, how was your day? And I'm like, let me tell you about this. You know, like this is incredible and really exciting stuff. The mental health community. Mm. What makes you so excited about that other than like the obvious potential positive impact? Are there community elements that really excite you about it? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. There's clearly sort of the emotional component of working in that type of environment. But it's also what's really been interesting about it is they're a brand new company and community is the business, right? And I'm starting to see this as a general trend that more and more companies are saying, you know, hey, we just incorporated last week, right? Can we think about how community is either going to help us build this business or community is the business or we know that this is going to be a long-term thing? Mm. So that's been a really interesting switch that I've only really seen in the last six to eight months, something like that, where it's no longer a, hey, here's a thing we'll do once we're at scale to kind of help us scale further. Now it's a, we are doing this from day zero right at the beginning because we believe in it so much. And just opened up so many different avenues of things we can work on as community professionals that we can get involved in. So that's been a really interesting trend and opened up Mm. a lot of kind of cool avenues for me as well. Yeah, I'm seeing that too. I'm having the conversation often where I get the question, what stage is the best time to start investing in community? Should a startup be investing in it from day one or should they wait till they have customers? What are you seeing as kind of the focus for a startup? Like if you're just starting today and you start building community, I know what my answer is. I'm curious, what do you see as like, this should be your priority. This is how you should focus on community when you're just starting from day one, pre-product market fit. Yeah. 
If it's pre-product market fit, I think what you see a lot is we just want to get involved with our potential users or customers, right? We want to understand who they are, what they care about, what their motivations are, what problems we can solve for them so that then we can be smart about if we're going to go build a product or service or an app or, or whatever the case might be. So I think you see a lot of that of using community as essentially like the feeder for their ideation phase of what is this product or service going to be. And I think that works really well. And to do that, you know, clearly, they're a brand new company. Uh, finances are typically such that they don't have all the resources in the world. And so it's a different type of community building, right? It's a very scrappy, like, let's just do experiments. Let's try things. Let's get our hands dirty kind of a mentality as opposed to a, you know, let's spend nine months on a strategy and right. deploy the, like the things I'm accustomed to doing, frankly. Yeah. This is a very different thing. And so it's very much opened my eyes, you know, kind of to that other style and thinking through that. But there's definitely some cross applicability from a lot of different things. But it's uh, definitely been interesting to dive in with those folks. That's funny. I feel like we're like crossing paths in the air or something like, because <laughs> my background has always been in that stage of just like scrappy early stage startup. How do you just build something from the ground up? Yeah. And now I've been getting a lot more into how do you plan out for the next 12 months and build a community headcount and budget and operational systems and all those things that like, you know, because our company is growing fast and I'm having to learn a lot of these things, honestly, for the first time. So we're crossing paths. Yeah. What's your nine-year roadmap looking like, David? Is, oh. it, uh, is it filled out pretty well or? I find it hard to, I still, I don't know if it's because my mind is so used to working in the like scrappy startup mode, but I'm like, I have no idea what's going to happen in three months, let alone nine to 12 months. But I don't know. I think what I'm trying to do is similar to what I think you tried to do at AlterX. There was something you said, I think it was on your LinkedIn. That was like, I want to prove what it looks like to have a company that has community as a core pillar. Yep. And it feels very similar to what I'm trying to do. I feel like I've had a lot of experience in the startup world and I've advised large companies before, but it's kind of the first time I'm getting to like really build out the systems and ecosystems and having a, a much more mature community strategy, building out a more complete team. Like I'm very used to doing a whole lot of stuff with very few people. And now I'm getting to like hire specifically for operations, hire specifically for community education, which I know is something that you're passionate about as well. Hire specifically for programming versus engagement and really think about what does like a more mature community program and team look like. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I've never seen a plan that someone's put out like a three-year or a five-year roadmap, let's say, that ever looked exactly the same at the end of the three or the five years. And totally. so I just encourage people, just get started, you know, start making a plan, fill in the details, try to figure out how the puzzle pieces might fit together or what the priority looks like. Yeah. And then over time, as things unfold, be agile enough to change things or admit when you were wrong and say, hey, we're actually, we're going to go do this other thing now. I think there needs to be a healthy dose of both, right? It's how do we have sort of a long-term vision and planning and that sort of long-range looking around corners and those kinds of things, but also just reacting to what's going on and what's happening and being able to pivot. And I often find the people who have a good balance of those two things, there's a lot of people that are either end of that spectrum, but I find the people that are kind of in the middle and have a good balance tend to have better performance or succeed more and that kind of thing. So don't beat yourself up, right? If you make a plan and it uh, all gets thrown out the window a year later, that's kind of just the nature of it. You just roll with it. Right. I just love beating myself up though. 
Come on. You know, you know <laughs> this. Stuff. Favorite pastime, eh? Without my self-criticism, who am I really? Yeah. I mean, if you don't have imposter syndrome, are you even really a person? Like, what are you doing? No, no. I know. And if people like you and me have been doing this for 13 years and still have imposter syndrome, then that says something, I think. Well, I think that's the... I often don't subscribe to like, here's the secret, you know, that kind of a thing. But is this is legitimately one of the secrets, which is... We look around us and especially on Twitter and places like that where we present ourselves as these, we know everything, right? We've got it all figured out and it mm-hmm. gives everybody the impression of, man, everybody around us has everything figured out and I don't and yeah. they're going to find out. And the reality is we're all just making it up as we go here, right? And including me. And so I'll just put that out there that a lot of us know how to make it look good, but we're all kind of making it up as we go. And like I said, the people who can pivot and kind of have some resiliency and not let the imposter syndrome creep in on you too hard are often the ones that do do make it in the end. So keep on trucking is my mm. advice. I guess there are the people who are making it up and then there are the people who made it up, mm. right? Yeah, could be. I listen to a lot of your podcast episodes And maybe you just made all that shit up, but (laughs) it's really good and it makes a lot of sense. And a lot of the things that I teach with CMX and the frameworks we developed, we made that shit up, but like it still helps. So it's like, yes, everything is being made up. Yes, everyone's still kind of making it up as they go. But that, I guess, is something I've learned is once you make it up, now you have something to work with, right? You make up your plan and it might be shit, but now you have something to work with and you adapt it and you evolve it. And it might actually become something that like works and is good. And it's something you made up. But yeah, you can figure these things out. But it starts by not knowing what you're doing. And that's what everyone is doing today is making shit up about things they don't know about. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's accurate. And I think at the end of the day, sort of like, okay, well, how do I separate the people into these different camps? And who do I know? Or, you know, how do I know who to listen to? And those kinds of things. To me, it's about outcomes, right? Show me five things you've done lately. Mm -hmm. Do you actually have the outcomes to prove what you're saying is real? Or can you demonstrate performance or explain things? I think when you start asking questions like that, it becomes pretty clear quickly who actually knows what they're doing or has delivered on the things they're talking about versus just sort of pontificating about it. Yeah. Well, also the things that you make up may work for you in that moment and then it doesn't work later. So you have to keep making things up to keep it working. Like there are things that worked for me seven years ago when we started CMX that like just aren't working now or wouldn't work if we did it the same exact way. So in that way, I think anyone who says like, I have the answer is wrong because they haven't made up the new version of that answer that actually works today. They only know what worked for them in the past. Yeah. Yeah. The absolutes thing is difficult when you see people saying like, this is the only way to do it. And it's like, you know, that just can't be right there. And I think that's what makes it difficult when you're seen as an expert or an influencer, or like in your case, you have this book, right? People are looking for, oh my goodness, they're looking for the, just tell us, David, you know, what are the three things? And it's like, I can't, right? I can give you some frameworks and some mindsets and how to think about it and how to get started and maybe a little color analysis of like, oh, well, this worked for me and didn't work over here and whatever those different aspects are. But everything is situational, right? And I think ultimately, that's what I'm trying to do when I work with clients or give advice or come on podcasts or whatever, is just help people kind of get into a mindset. And then like, I can give you 20%. You're going to have to go figure out the rest or apply it in a way that makes sense for you. 
And I think a lot of times people are frustrated by that. Like, just tell me the answer. And it's just like, give me, I yeah. would, but I would be doing you a disservice if I did that, right? And right. so there's got to be a middle ground in there of like how you apply this rather than me just telling you. Right, right. And yeah, I talk a lot about that. Like advice is almost always BS because all someone can do is tell you what worked for them. They can't mm-hmm. tell you what works for you. Yep. And so use advice as inspiration. Don't use it as a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Yep, I think that's right. Yeah. So what is the Brian Oblinger plan right now? You are doing a lot of consulting and you're doing lots of different projects. Are you, you getting the itch to go uh, in-house somewhere again? <laughs> no, you know what? I'm staying so busy. There's so many things going on. Like I said before, being able to branch out and do different and interesting things has been really great. Mm-hmm. It's obviously really scary. You know, the first time you're like, I'm going to go out on my own and do all this stuff. But I've been really fortunate to have steady work and actually kind of too much at times and kind of having to back off a little bit here and there for my own. I know. I keep trying to send you deals and you're like, "Eh, sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so it's been great. And like I said, I really enjoy the stuff that's kind of off the beaten path. I enjoy my core thing too, but a lot of the learning things and enabling other people and those things have been really fulfilling. So no itch at this point. People try really hard and I'm just enjoying kind of living the dream right now. Mm, mm, love it. So I'm curious to get your take on kind of like the state of the industry as someone who has a unique vantage point on it as I do. And I think thinks about it a lot as I do. The industry kind of blown up as we just talked about like startups are all from day one thinking about community, which is a huge shift big companies are all starting to invest in it. And we're kind of having a community heyday right now. And it seems to be exploding. What do you think is is kind of most exciting to you right now about the industry? And what like worries you the most about the state of the industry right now? Mm. Well, we're a 20-year overnight success, right? So yes, that's right. a lot of people are just finding out about community and all the benefits and how great it could be. And we're over here going, yeah, we know. We've been doing this a while. (laughs) But that's okay. You know, that's a good thing. There's always more room on the bandwagon, right? So the more people hop on, the merrier. That's clearly going on. The things I'm seeing trend-wise that that are good, right? And then we'll get to some of the the not-so-good stuff, maybe. Executive buy-in has been a huge one. We always used to spend all this time as community professionals sort of bemoaning the fact that oh, you know, they don't get it, you know, and why don't they want to invest in it? And it's so hard to get headcount and budget and attention. And even when we do do something good, they don't care. You know, like this was our talk track for like 15 years, right? So now we're in a position where, and I think there's reasons for this. Some of it is demographic. Some of it is we've been around long enough to prove our value and tell those stories better. And some of it clearly is just the moment, right? And kind of, hey, we need to shift what we're doing. Our old things aren't working, et cetera, et cetera. So all of a sudden, there's all of this executive and leadership buy-in, which I have been telling people lately, be careful what you wish for or what you wish for. (laughs) Because in some cases, I have CEOs that are super involved in every detail and those (laughs) kinds of things. And like, you went from one end of the spectrum of like, they don't even know my name to, you know, now they're driving me every day to do all this stuff. (laughs) But I would say that what comes with that is good, right? You get the attention. Often the budget is more there, the headcount, the understanding of what you're doing. And as you described earlier, the incorporation of it into the business as a core, it's no longer just a side thing or a sidecar, as I've called it in the past. It's, hey, this is core pillar of our business and what we do and how we're going to 
acquire new customers, engage them, retention, all of those classic business metrics. So I think that's a really, excuse me, I think that's a really positive trend that's been coming up that's really been helpful. Like I said before, we're also seeing like new companies that we've never heard from before be really interested in this. And I sometimes have to stop people and explain to them this notion that they're like, what do you, what kind of conversations are you having with companies? And I'm like, the same ones I had 15 years ago, right? Because there's all these companies that are showing up for the first ever time and saying, Brian, we actually don't know anything about this. Can you teach us and tell us what to do? And the things that we're talking about to you and I would be, duh, like we've been talking about that forever. Like who doesn't know that? And it's like, it turns out a lot of people, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of that like educational thing that just coming and going and just reverberating all the time. (laughs) It's interesting because I like find myself, like I'll see people tweet something and it'll like blow up. And I'm like, I can't even tweet these things anymore because I've said them so many times already (laughs) over the last 15 years that I'm like, I can't say the same tweet again. But like now it would work actually probably a lot better than it did when we started saying it 10 years ago. I guess like one interesting question that you just made me think of, I'm curious to get your thoughts on is like, in any community, what you'll see is if it grows, if it's successful, it grows, it grows, it grows, it becomes mature. You'll have those like OG members who get a little bit kind of like bitter and curmudgeon and like they're no longer the small group center of attention. Things change, the culture changes, all that kind of stuff happens, right? And so I have no doubt that that's happening in the community industry itself, where there are many of us and I'm saying this with a full awareness that I am most certainly guilty of it, that have been in the industry for a long time, who sees kind of all these new people, all these new companies, all these new investments and community coming in and have a feeling of like bitterness or like that's not how things are done or that's not how we do it here, that kind of thing. What do you think are elements of the thinking that people who have been in this industry have had for a long time that maybe... Just like, are we doing that? Are we being those people sometimes who are like, oh, it's not done that way. We've been here for super long, but there's all these new people who have like new ways of doing this work that maybe we're not so open to. Yeah. Well, there's a strange duality, right? In all of these years we spent saying, oh, we want more people to do community and it should be this thing that should be in every company in the world. And, you know, uh, why isn't everyone doing this? It's so wonderful. And then as soon as they all showed up, we're like, oh, no, this is our thing. Like, you can't come in here, (laughs) you know? And so, like, we're totally guilty of that. And I will say this, David, I'm guilty as charged, right? Like, for years and years and years, I was super jaded, super defensive, and probably a gatekeeper a little bit on community where it was like, this is my thing and nobody else can come in here and, you know, whatever. And a couple of years ago, maybe five or six years ago, I sort of had this, I don't know, call it an epiphany, whatever you want, to kind of say, you know, that's not right. That's not the way that this needs to go. And in fact, we need to do the opposite, that as people get excited about this stuff and they come in, it's our job to welcome them in and try to point them in the right direction, right? But also acknowledge that people are going to have some different ideas maybe than we have in the past. And so it's actually our turn to sort of listen more, right? Mm -hmm. And kind of learn from that and take the best of what we know and the best of what they're bringing to the table and sort of bring this in, right? And it sounds sounds a lot like diversity, doesn't it? Right? And so I think, you know, I sort of had that mindset shift. And that's really where a yeah. lot of my focus is these days is 
whenever I see something new, my gut reaction is always like, ah, whatever, you know, I don't know. And then I kind of have to like, hey, but you know what? Maybe they have something interesting to say and I don't want to get left behind, right? So a lot of what I'm thinking about is like, I really need to stay on top of this and I can decide if something's bullshit or not or whatever, but I need to like kind of take it all in and make sure that I'm not missing the boat because I'm an old curmudgeon who refuses to listen to anybody but myself. So I definitely had that moment. I hope more people are having that moment. And I hope more of the, as you say, OG, you know, folks that have been around for a long time, jump on this train with us to kind of say, it's our job to pass the baton here and the next generation of people and let them take it and do what they're going to do with it with maybe less judgment than we've had in the past. Totally. Yeah. And something that I've tried to maintain awareness around as well is just like, how is it serving us? How is it challenging us to get better? Because for all those years that we were doing this work and we were kind of a small group shouting into somewhat of a void, it also felt good to like feel real smart because like we were the only ones creating the content. It all felt very innovative and fresh and new. And now there are so many new people talking about this, writing about it. Like there are more classes and training programs and community that have sprouted up in the last six months, I would say than I've seen in the last 15 years. So it's like an explosion of expertise and thought leadership and tools and all these things, which certainly comes with certain levels of bullshit and people kind of claiming expertise in areas that they don't necessarily have it because there's a lot of opportunity in being an expert. But there's also actual experts and really, really, really smart people, people who are a lot smarter than me, who are now thinking about the same problems and bringing new approaches to it and new new thinking to it. And that has forced me to get better, I think, and like hold a higher standard, both for like how we teach community, how we build CMX and make CMX into a great community. It's a good challenge. It raised the bar in a way that we've never had in this industry. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think on the other side of the coin, right? Because you had asked sort of what are the things I'm seeing that aren't so great. I think there's an equal and opposite reaction, you know, for everything. And so as, like you said, as we bring all these people in, there's certainly some downsides and and those kinds of things. I also think being kind of in the moment that we're at right now, I always worry a little bit about, are we fully seizing this opportunity? Are we moving fast enough to discover this new talent in this area and educate, enable them? Are we building the right technologies fast enough? Are we telling the right stories? Are we proving the right value? Um, And so I'm always kind of thinking about that, especially in the time that we're in right now where community has kind of had its moment and everybody's excited about it. It's like, okay, we have this, not to like drop an Eminem reference, but like we do have the one shot here, David, (laughs) with a lot of people that not everybody's super invested in this for the long term. It is kind of the shiny object. And so we have to capitalize on that or they're just going to move on to the next thing, right? And so I think a lot about that and how do we sort of maximize our messaging around this. And that's when I kind of can get critical sometimes of people and their messaging and how they're talking about it because I see it and I'm like, no, like that's not how it should be. Like we should do this instead, whatever my opinion is. But I think that's a big one. We've talked a little bit about like the influencer thing. There's kind of the people who jump from trend to trend and at some point they jumped onto community and kind of came in and pretended like they knew everything and whatever. And I think for that situation, I just sort of try to sit back a little bit and like know that, hey, they'll jump onto the next trend shortly. And sure. be kind of like, I was here 10 years before you and I'll probably be here 10 years after you. And that's okay. You were sort of passing through and then maybe they got some people excited about community or whatever. 
So I think that's definitely another one that's there. Mm-hmm. And then like, I guess lastly, like the biggest thing for me is like, do we all see the big picture, right? I think sometimes we get a little focused on the here and now and the tactic of the day or, you know, whatever. And to me, it, like I've been doing this for somewhere around 20 years or something at this point in various capacities. And I've seen so much happen and so much come and go. And I know that there's so much more to happen and come and go along the way. I just want to make sure that we don't lose focus as an industry on what our core missions are and what we're here to do and what kind of value we can provide. Because I think sometimes we get a little distracted right, with shiny objects. Mm. So what is your vision for the industry? If we do seize the moment, if we do lose ourselves, you only get one shot. Do not... <laughs> Mom, spaghetti, et cetera, et cetera. What is that future if we do this really well? Well, in my opinion, what I kind of see happening in that future is I don't know if community is actually going to be the term in the long run, right? I think ultimately there's an opportunity for community professionals to kind of graduate a little bit to the next level, which in my opinion is like more broad customer experience, right? Ooh, that's a hot take. If you've been working... And I've actually seen this work, right? So I'll give you some examples. But if you've been working in community for a long time, you already have the tools in your tool belt necessary to execute like broader customer experience or customer success initiatives at a company. And so the key is like, okay, how are we going to make sure that we keep growing and we sort of extend our tentacles into those? You know, when I was at Ultrix and, and Data Robot, like that's what we were doing, right? I was building community and building teams that build community. But we were also working on like higher level, broad customer experience related things. And I found that our community skills and knowledge and things really transferred pretty well into that world. And so I think like a lot of us have forecasted forward and said, we want everybody to be VP of community or a chief community officer. I think ultimately what we may find is that people sort of morph into more like chief customer officers or some of those existing kind of roles and titles that we see where community is still a major component, right, of our strategy and what we do, but you're also overseeing and sort of infusing what we've learned over the years into these other areas and just overall kind of growing into those types of roles. So that's kind of where I think this could be headed and what I think is a reasonable career path, frankly, Mm. for people that are kind of topped out on the community side of things. Hmm. I don't know that I agree with that take, Brian. Let's go. Let's fight about it. We may disagree on something here. (laughs) Okay, go for it. I mean, I've had so many conversations over the course of my career and with a lot of people who have worked in the industry before, who have tried to make community a thing. Like actually one person once sat me down who's, let's call him like a generation or two ahead of me in the world of like business and kind of tried to do a little bit of what like CMX did, like tried to make community thing. He literally sat me down and he said, David, trust me, community is never going to have a seat at the table. You should change the name and, you know, make it marketing, make it customer, make it something else. And (laughs) that bummed me out for a while. (laughs) I was like, shit, really? Like all this work and we're not going to, we're not going to do it. But like, boy, was he wrong actually in the following years, just how much more community would get a seat at the table over that time. And I think back to that moment of like what it felt like at that time. And it felt so far, far from possible that the title community would become established in the world of business. 
And yet here we are today where it is something that's becoming widely used, widely applied. We are seeing VPs of community. We are seeing chief community officers. We are seeing community teams grow across the business ecosystem. And we have the data to back that up. And so if I continue on that trend in my mind, I don't think that stops. And so I believe there's just looking at the trends and the way things are growing, there's reason to believe that community is going to continue to become a term that becomes more established in the world of business. But also practically, I always have a hard time saying, okay, let's make community into customer. Because that also leaves out whole aspects of what community can do for a business on, let's say, the marketing side, for example. Like, would the customer team also own marketing? Generally, no. You would have a chief customer officer and a chief marketing officer, right? And so if you put community under customer, then you lose out on marketing. If you put it under marketing, you lose out on customer. If you do either of those two, maybe you lose out on product or some other applications of community. And so to me, community needs to be its own distinct role, discipline, department that intersects with customer, intersects with marketing, intersects with product, intersects with all these different parts of the business, but is its own center of excellence. So I think we're not actually that far off. I think what I'm describing is an infusion of community throughout the business into other specific areas, right? So I think like, this is where like titles and things tend to like muck up this conversation really, right? Sure. And it's sort of like at a philosophical level, I think what I'm saying is if we do this right and community becomes this staple of every organization and a must-have just like marketing is today or you know anything else, then I think we've won. And I think ultimately, rather than... Like your center of excellence is kind of another way of saying it of like, instead of it being a siloed thing that, yeah, I have a really high title, but we're still kind of off on our own. It's like, actually, how do we make this part of most people's jobs, especially customer-facing folks, right? So I think maybe there's some semantics at play and things like that. But I don't think we're actually that far off. I think we're both sort of positioning this vision of like community getting bigger and better and broader and more infused throughout the organization and just becoming more of an accepted thing. I guess where I'm taking it is to say, if that is the case and we make it there, and I think we have a good chance of that, especially with C-level folks now very excited about community and everything it can do. I think there's opportunities for community professionals to sort of have even broader purview, let's say, or overview of things throughout companies rather than just saying, well, they own the community, right? It's like, well, ultimately, we should aspire probably to something even bigger than that, which is how do we transform entire companies with this idea similar to the way that digital transformation, right? We've been doing that for 15 years and that sort of has tentacles into everything across the company. So I see it as a similar kind of transformation over a very long course of time. Yeah. Well, I hope we don't just get looked at as like digital transformation or something (laughs) because it's just such like a made up department. You know, I will say on that point, right? So yes, that was a buzzword probably what, 10, 15 years ago, first came about was when I heard it. And Yeah, it's still going on today. Most companies are still like woefully behind and trying to catch up and thinking about this. And I guess that's what I'm saying is that, you know, I kind of feel like we're there with community right now where it's like, we've been talking about this stuff forever and we're still pushing and we've made gains, but they're relatively modest, I would say, over like where we would have expected them to be by now. So I think what you're hearing out of me is expectation setting for the industry and people that work in it to say... I know we have this big long-term vision and goal of where we want to go, 
But I also don't want people... I want to set proper expectations that people don't get discouraged with like the long road that it takes to get there, right? There has to be something in the middle. And I think if we're being honest about it, it's not like next week or next month or even next year or three years from now. It's probably like, what's the time horizon for this vision you and I just painted? It's probably decades, right? Just being Mm. honest about it. And so I think people need to realize that and be on board with that because these things do take forever, right? Like I think there was something the other day about the title chief marketing officer is only like 15 or 20 years old or something. I was just going to say that. Yeah, it's still relatively new. Now we look at that and we go, well, every company has one of those. And sure, you know, they accelerated very quickly, but it was also marketing was already a thing too. So we're kind of trying to do both, right? Where they kind of had to just come in and take over an existing thing and level up. So Mm. I want people to understand sort of the timeline here. I'm going to disagree with that one too. I'm going to say five years. Five years. Five years. To which end? To, I mean, I don't know how to get very specific about it, but where, I don't know, I guess you could say we could confidently say that community is like maybe permanent is too strong of a word, but like a well-established part of every business and becomes commonplace in business. Oh, I think, yeah, I agree. I think that can totally happen in five years. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, if you think about it, think about the huge wave of people coming into the industry now. And I'm curious to talk with you about like what we need to do to make this happen because I don't think it just happens. I think it takes work on all of us as an industry to deliver. But if you think about all the people who are like the wave of people getting into community now, give them another five years. We have thousands of people now with five to 10 years of experience doing this work, working in companies, moving up their ladders, demanding raises and promotions and like starting companies as well. Like companies that are starting today that you and I were just talking about that made community a pillar from day one that are now five to 10 years old. Like that's going to look much, much different than it does today, even in how established community is in the world of business. Yeah, I think in five years, you're probably right that this will be a much more established thing. Most people will have accepted it. We will see many high titles in many companies. I just think to get to... And here's the thing. We're going to move the goalposts too, right? So like that's the other side of the story. Back to our previous conversation around... Exactly. Yeah. It's never enough. Around like we've charted (laughs) out this plan. Yeah. And then like things are going to change. So I think, yes, there will be elements of that in five, six years, something like that. I think to get to the ultimate goal where community is as accepted as the staples, marketing, accounting, like whatever in a company... I think there's probably a little bit longer of a time horizon on some of that. I didn't say accounting. Okay, accounting (laughs) is... But you know why I use that example? So I use accounting all the time. I think accounting has been around for as long as business has been around. Yes, yes. But I use that because when you walk up to someone on the street and you say, hey, where do you work? What do you do? And they say, oh, I work at KPMG and I do accounting, right? Or whatever. Everyone understands that. There is no further explanation required. Every human on earth understands, at least at a base level, what you mean when you say the word accounting. Yes. Community has a very, 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 very long way to go, right? Before we would get to that level of saturation and that kind of... So like in five years, can most businesses... And by the way, this is super regional. And this is a part that like a lot of people, I think, don't recognize because we're so used to... We're in the US. So we think about the US and we see this saturation of community and companies caring about it and all of these things. When I go work with companies in Latin America or Europe or Asia or you know anywhere else around the world, 
at times you can look at those situations and say, wow, they are five years, six years, 10 years behind where we are at here in the US. And there's so much more work to do. In a lot of cases, it feels like starting over almost of like, oh, we got to go all the way back to the beginning here. And so I think for your five-year goal, that could be realistic for the United States in particular. I think for the rest of the world, we actually have a ton of work to do and we are not nearly as far along as I think a lot of people may perceive us to be. Yeah, that's definitely true. And we see that with CMX, pretty international community. We have our local chapters all over the world. And a lot of the challenges that our members talk about dealing with in their local region, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember dealing with that about five to seven years ago. Still like there are countries where it's like, yeah, everyone still thinks community management is social media here. I'm like, oh, I remember those challenges of those days where literally in the first CMX summit, we had to put in all big cap letters. This is not a social media conference (laughs) because everyone was still confusing the two. So yes, absolutely. That's a good call out. The extent to which, like, I don't know, and I'd be interested to find out more on this question of if the US is five years ahead of other countries at the start of like community becoming a big thing, if it's going to take them the same amount of time to catch up or because a lot of really a lot of innovation is happening and a lot of new standards are being set in the US that will actually make the ramp up time faster for other regions because now they have an example. Whereas in the US, because it was kind of the tip of the spear, we didn't have those examples to be like, oh yeah, that's how it's done there. So we can replicate those things here. I think it might speed up there as well, but fair to say that there's going to be a lag in other regions. Yeah, and I think think what you just said is definitely the goal, right? If we can get all of our tactics and strategies and best practices and use cases and stories and ROI calculations, if we can get all this stuff cataloged and categorized and available for people, then yes, I think we do have a responsibility to help those that are kind of behind catch up. I will say to call out one kind of region or country in particular, there is a lot of community stuff going on in Israel. Oh, yeah. The companies there are really... Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Mike Silberg and, and the gang over there are doing a lot of really cool stuff. So... Yeah, I mean, there's pockets of it, but yeah, I think that's when I think about the enablement and the learning and those things. I'm just trying to outsource as much of my knowledge as possible so that other people can just take it and run with it and hopefully avoid the five-year painful lesson I had to learn. They can just do it right from the start. Totally. Yeah. I mean, Israel is a good example. I think actually Israel is just as, if not more, in some ways, innovative as the US. The challenge in Israel is that it's an isolated, small country. So they don't have a big market for things there. And so a lot of the time it will be like entrepreneurs and businesses building things there, but their customers will be in other regions. Yeah. But like Waze started there. One of the, like the best examples of a community-driven business. There's a lot of really good examples in Israel. So that's a good one. And what you just described of kind of institutionalizing the knowledge and frameworks and stuff, you basically just described like the mission, the purpose of CMX and like why we started it in the first place. And so it's cool to see folks like you and Erica and, and lots of other people now saying like, okay, how do we just take all these things that we built at our own companies and make it into something that other people can just kind of copy and paste and apply to their own work and, and build on top of that. On that note, so like sharing knowledge, sharing frameworks, sharing the things we're building seems like one critical element. But I was curious, what do you think we as an industry and we as individual professionals need to do in order to make sure that we seize this moment and that we help establish the community industry. Yeah. Well, I think there needs to, A, be an understanding that largely 
community is going to be driven by businesses, right? Going forward, right? Like whether we like it or not, you know, corporations and things like that are a lot of people, they have the money. They're the ones that are doing this and sort of helping our industry grow right now. So I think that's an important sort of like mindset thing that needs to happen first. And then I think once you've accepted that, okay, this is where like a lot of the growth is going to come from in the next, like we said, four or five years. Okay, how do we get there? Well, for me, it's about teaching that language of business, right? It's sort of intersecting what we know about community and what we're really good at and all of that other business stuff, right? And so a lot of what you hear me probably never shut up about, right? On podcasts, on conference slots, other places. I mean, this is the entirety of Eric and I's podcast together, right? As we talk about the application of sort of general business principles and practices to community and vice versa to create this sort of dare I say, synergistic, you know? Uh, 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 how dare you say that word on my podcast? That was just for you. That was just for you, David. I knew you would love that. So I threw that in there for you. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, right? Like we really have to get crystal clear on how we talk about community from a business perspective, right? What are those stories that we need to tell? How do we talk about the value? How do we instrument what we're doing to line up to high-level company goals And I think that, frankly, these are skills that a lot of us in community just haven't had because we either haven't been exposed to it or we purposefully stayed away from it for years because we were like, I don't want to be a business person. I think now we're in a position where if we want to truly seize this moment, we need to do that and we need to do it well. And I've seen that work, right? In my personal work, as well as what I do with my clients, that when you make those connections, the people at these companies go, oh, cool, Like we get this. It's just like anything else, but we're doing community instead, but we get the value. So I think that's a huge hurdle that a lot of people are working their way up to or trying to clear. I'm certainly invested both professionally and personally in making that happen as much as I can and helping pass on what I've learned in all these businesses. So I think that's going to be a really, really, really big one to start. Love it. Yeah, I agree. I think like figuring out where it sits in the company and continuing to have those conversations is going to continue to be important because we're just going to... It's interesting. Like I'm getting to put a lot of things that we've talked about in theory into actual practice. And it's one thing to say like, yeah, community is this hub and spoke that's a center of excellence and it plugs into marketing, plugs into customer. But then you put it into practice and you're like, Oh, this is complex. These are not easy problems to solve. And who owns the community program for customers? Who owns the community program for prospects? Is it marketing? Is it the community team? Is it both? How do you intersect? What does a reporting structure look like? Who's setting the OKRs? There's like all these big questions that come up when you actually get into the weeds of what does community actually look like as a department, as a career path in a company. And I think there's just still a lot to learn about that that we haven't learned yet. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, community professionals are kind of thinking like, if it's not the perfect situation, if it's not set up the way I would do it, then I don't want to go there. That seems like too much of a challenge. I think to your point about where should it live, I'm fond of saying wherever it has the best chance of succeeding off the bat. Right. right? And then over time, once we've proven ourselves, then we can make the argument of, hey, actually, maybe we shouldn't be part of support, right? Maybe we should be our own thing, or maybe we should move over to success or whatever it looks like. But I think regardless of where it lives and what your title is and that, the thing I try to impress upon people all the time is you have to become this cross-functional, collaborative animal, right? Like you, it, to really succeed in a lot of these companies, especially the bigger ones, you have to get really comfortable and be really good 
at walking into rooms with people you've probably never worked with before, and maybe you don't understand their goals, but you need to learn what they are, meet them halfway, and be able to tell a story about, oh, you're in marketing. Okay, great. Here's what community can do for you, right? Here's the main drivers. Here's how we can work together. Oh, you're in success? Great. Here's what we can do. Product, support, on down the line. And I think the people that get really good at that, part of it's like general business acumen, but the other part is just taking the time to do it. (laughs) You know, frankly, like, When you get really good at that collaborational model, great things can happen. And then I think there's less questions about what is this community? Why are we doing it? And I think you can make the argument then of, hey, you know what? We do this so well, maybe better than anyone else in the company, that now we can be that center of excellence or we can create a customer experience group that includes community and other things or whatever that future might look like for you or your company. You have to work up to it. No one's going to hand it to us, right? And say... Oh, the community guys are here, you know, like, well, just, oh, yeah, you guys just do whatever you want. Like, we got to earn it. Right. And I think totally. that's the thing is we've come a long way and we should all be really proud of that. But at the same time, we need to have the mentality of like, we haven't done anything yet. Right. We're yeah. at day zero and every day we need to go to work and earn it. Right. And then down the line, three years, five years, whatever that timeline looks like, we will get to where we want to be. Love that. Yep. And that ability to work with different groups within the company and understand different goals and collaborate across all these different functions is one of the reasons why I think community professionals will also make for great CEOs down the line. If they can really understand the business side of things, their ability to intersect with all these different parts of the business and understand them and weave them together makes them into great just general leaders for organizations. Those are the people who succeed at every company, right? It's true. Because so many people frankly, are bad at collaborating, either because they're bad at it or they don't want to be. Like a lot of people are just like, hey, I'm happy doing my thing over here in the corner. I'd rather not get involved with all this Mm. collaboration mumbo jumbo. So the people who actually make the effort and put in the time and kind of get that skill level are often the ones where it's they are seen in the organizations like, hey, she gets stuff done, right? She's making things happen over there. And sometimes that's just like pure will more than it is skill, right? It's like, yeah, because she took the time to apply herself and do that. And it was a goal she had. So here we are, right? Totally. Yep. Makes a lot of sense. That's a really good point. All right, Brian, we're going to go into our rapid fire question round now. Rapid fire questions and real quick answers for you. Are you ready? Let's do this. All right. Question number one. If you could only eat one kind of food for the rest of your life, what would that food be? Queso. Just cheese. <laughs> <laughs> just, I have a I mild cheese addiction, so just, we're going with queso. <laughs> Can a person survive on queso? That's what I was going to ask. Like, there's two answers to this question, right? One is, right. is there consequences? And the other right. answer is, no, there's no consequences. The queso right. is definitely the there's no consequences answer. Okay, fair enough. All right, next question. <laughs> What's your favorite book to give as a gift to others or to recommend to others? You know, I actually, I spend a lot of time trying to understand... If I'm going to give like a book or something, I want to understand what that person actually likes. I don't have like one that I like that I want to give them. I usually want to get them something that's like very... They're into cars. So great. Let's go get a book about, you know, cars or... Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll pivot the question then. What's the most impactful book that you've ever read in your life or most insightful in the world of community? Ooh. I think the books that are the most insightful in terms of community have, like for me, haven't been about community. They've been about other Agreed. things. I'm a biography guy. So I read a lot of biographies. Oh, me too. What's your favorite biography? Or what's one that comes to mind? 
Well, I, yeah, there's so many. I mean, I'll tell you what I, I read recently. I read Robert Iger's, his biography, mm. CEO, former cool. CEO of Disney. Yeah. There's a guy named Bob Taylor of Taylor Guitars. I kind of enjoy those kinds of things and usually glean a lot of both personal and like business lessons out of those. Yeah. Benjamin Franklin's autobiography. Mm. Okay. Highly recommend. Really good. All right. Cool. All right. In one minute, share your wildest community story. <laughs> there's so many. I'll do this one and I'll try to keep it to a minute. So back in like 2004 or five, someone can check me on that. I was still at that time doing moderation on the PlayStation community and Mm. they had the PSP, right? And this is when they came out with version 2.0 of the firmware, which was this, like they kind of shipped it with like, eh, you know, whatever firmware with the promise of like, hey, don't worry, we're going to circle back to this puppy in six months. And that's what they did. And the entire community just went bananas for like 72 hours. And I remember working then as a moderate, you would refresh the page and there would be like 40 new threads and you'd yeah. refresh 40 new threads. Like, and when I say ref- like, I mean like refresh, 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 yeah. refresh, like 10 new threads, 40 new threads, 30 new threads, 20 new threads. It was insane. And we were just trying to like keep this thing alive. Now, what people need to understand about this is this is back when before community was like this corporate initiative and whatever, this was more like, hey, this exists and you guys just run it for us. We didn't work for Sony, right? We were contracted out. Right. And I feel like for those 48-ish, 72 hours, we were literally running like the brand of Sony PlayStation in America online, right? Yeah. And I remember just working like 24-7 for I think three or four days in a row trying to like keep this thing alive. And it was incredible and insane all at the same time. And uh, Sheila Mullis, if she's out there, uh, Sheila and I stayed up basically through the night, several nights in a row to keep that thing running. So it was amazing. Wow. Yeah. I think a lot of community managers have some story where just like something blew up and they were just completely overwhelmed and just had to like pull all-nighters, just keeping the community alive and responding and engaging and moderating. And they live to tell the tale. And most of the things that I'll tell you today about moderation and stuff like that are born out of those moments, right? Where you yeah, like three days. You want to talk yeah. about going to the maximum and learning a lot all in one small period of time. That was yeah. definitely one of those like formative moments. Love it. Love it. All right. Next question. What's something that you and Erica disagree about? <laughs> what do we disagree about? I don't know. That's you should probably ask Erica. She'd probably have a better answer because she'd probably tell you that. Oh, we disagree about everything. That's everything. Probably, yeah. We probably disagree about how much we disagree about. What do you mean, Brian couldn't think of one? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We're pretty simpatico, and that's what's been amazing. Is I feel like we we fit together really well. Our experience is different, but we play off of each other well. She's just been a wonderful kind of partner in general. And beyond the business stuff, she's just one of my best friends. So I got nothing but nice things to say here, at least. Ask me after the pod. I'll I'll tell you some other stuff. Well, not the answer I wanted, but it's the answer I got. <laughs> you wanted me to spill some tea, I guess? I wanted some tea. Yeah. Some Erica cool tea. I don't. I just don't have any. I just don't have any. She's wonderful. <laughs> she's just so perfect. I mean, it's true. <laughs> You're not wrong in that. <laughs> I've tried so hard to find things I don't like. And damn it, it's just so hard. A few people have disagreed with Erica Cool in the past and we've never heard from them again. <laughs> yes, blink twice if you're... Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. We love you, Erica. This is all <laughs> all endearing stuff. <laughs> I'm going to hear okay. about this. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and Holly, yeah, we're really in trouble. Okay. 
What's a good community engagement tactic or conversation starter that you like to use in your communities? Mm. What I tell people is, so there's always going to be the element of sort of support related, like here's a question and an easy answer, right? It's a known quantity thing. What I kind of like doing is a little bit of the opposite of asking more like open-ended, mm. multifaceted, like where there's room for opinion and yeah. have people sort of get in there deep and say like, well, a lot of like this conversation where a lot of the answers are, well, it depends. And let me tell you about the 10 reasons why it depends. Those totally. tend to foster a lot of engagement, but more importantly, learning and examples and things that people can tangibly take away. And I find those to be, especially in a new community, really like formative for building this culture of like, how do we give our opinionated opinions and argue about things? So that'd be my go-to. I love that. I really well articulated. And I've always thought that like debates are kind of a secret weapon for building community. Mm. Yep. Mm. All right. Next question. Have you ever worn socks with sandals? Listen, David, I was young and confused. And um, hey, man. Yes. Yeah. I mean, not like in we're the all, last. We're all still figuring not out. Not since adulthood. But yes, I have, uh, I have done that in my life. <laughs> well, I did it yesterday, Brian. So <laughs> how do you think you just made me feel? I'm sticking by my opinion. Actually. <laughs> I'm going to stick by this one. All right. All right. Fair enough. Okay. Who in the world of community would you most like to take for lunch? Could be dead or alive. Oh, well, I, I do get to go to lunch with Erica because we live near. So that can't be the answer. We've praised Erica enough already. No more praise for Erica. I'm going to go with Holly just because <laughs> Holly Firestone, for those of you out there. So because I've heard so much about her, we've done a bunch of things. I've just never met her in person. And so really, a lot of that's, oh. yeah, it's COVID related and other things. So I feel like I have a lot of catching up to do with people that I know really well mm. online, but like actually physically being in the same room or whatever would be amazing. So that's surprising. You haven't met at like a CMX event or anything before? Never happened. Maybe she's avoiding me, which is like totally understandable if that's the case. So maybe she would just like decline this lunch meeting, but that's still going to be my answer whether she likes it or not. So all right. Well, do it before she goes on paternal leave, maternal leave, maternity leave. Yes. You'll lose her for a while there. All right. What's a community product or technology that you wish existed? Ooh, can I slightly modify this to be a like a maybe not community product, but I think would lead to good community? Sure, yeah. Star Trek the Transporter. Okay. Just think about just being able to transport anywhere. Think about the world in general. If you could go back, if you could go anywhere, right? It's not a time machine, but you could go you could go anywhere you want in the world at any time, right? Think about how much impact that would have on the world and how it would change the way we perceive the world and like what we've seen and who we've met. And it would change everything. It would change everything. And I think very much for the better, maybe some for the worse. So mm. yeah, if someone wants to get on that and go ahead and build that, that would be super helpful. You heard it here, all right? If you build a time machine, Brian will be your first investor. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you 10 bucks. Sweet, that's a good start. <laughs> I think that's about how much it costs to invent a time machine. I mean, a teleportation machine. All right. What's the weirdest community you've ever been a part of? Ooh, I got a really good answer for this one. So my pal, I worked with Julie Hamill for years and years and years at Lithium and then Altrix. And at some point, she started rescuing squirrels because where she lives in Canada, I hope she doesn't mind me saying this, but where she lives in Canada, she would find these squirrels that were injured or damaged or whatever. And then like people found out about this in her local community and started bringing squirrels. (laughs) to her, like she was the squirrel lady. She might still be, I'm not sure. I love it. But one day she let it slip on a call 
that she was a part of like a squirrel forum. It's, uh, <laughs> it's what was it? Thesquirrelboard.com, <laughs> I think, where people like discuss squirrels. And so like, it was one of those things where I kind of got in it as a joke and then I couldn't stop. <laughs> so, so like I spent literally like a year like checking the squirrel forum once a week to like, oh, yeah. you know, I never participated because I don't, I couldn't rescue a squirrel, but I just found it to be the most incredible community. So there's something for everyone out there, you know? Love it. That's a very weird community to be a part of. Maybe my favorite answer yet. <laughs> Their traffic is spiking right now. Tons yes, of people. Right. All your listeners are flocking to the squirrel board. It's still going, yeah? Yeah. This forum is still active? Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, that's, that's super popular. What are you talking about? Love it. I'll have to check it out. All right, last question. If you were to find yourself on your deathbed today and you had to condense all of your life lessons into one Twitter-sized piece of advice for the rest of the world on how to live, mm. what would that advice be? Yeah, this one for me is really simple. I don't have to think on this one much. I just think what I've found to be true in my life so far, and I suspect will continue to be true far into the future, is just treat people the way you want to be treated, right? The golden rule, as they call it. I think in both work and personal stuff, if you're able to do that, in most cases, you're going to be steered in the right direction. You're going to do the right things. You're going to have great relationships you're going to add a lot of value for people on a lot of different fronts. So I guess that's my, I don't know if that's profound or not, but that just treat people the way you want to be. And I find this in community building too, right? People are like, well, what should we do? And it's like, well, what would you want? Mm-hmm. Right? And that's the question. Because mm-hmm. if you wouldn't want it, then why are we doing it? And why mm-hmm. do you think people would react positively to it if you wouldn't want it? So mm-hmm. I think that's in a lot of ways, the acid test for a lot of things in business and life in general. Yeah, I love that. And to kind of build on it too, it's like there's the baseline of how you want people to treat you with like kindness, empathy, calm, level-headed, things like that. But also thinking about like, what are the things that people have done that have just felt exceptional to you or like really surprised you, made you really grateful? Like just remember those things and then think about like, if you can do that for someone else, how you're going to make them feel. Yeah. I mean, I I often say too, you know, not to take this to a negative place, but I think I've learned more from people that I feel like don't observe this rule than the people who do, right? Like a lot of my state of being and how I try to approach things and treat people, especially when I was a manager, a lot of that is rooted in me remembering how it felt when I was on the other end of this not being true and thinking Mm -hmm. to myself, I don't ever want to be that person. I don't ever want people to feel that way about me or around me or about their experience related to me. And so I will say that, uh, unfortunately or fortunately, I, I guess they taught me at least some things, right? Is that I think you learn a lot by experiencing what you don't want and sort of saying to yourself, making a promise, when I get in that position, I'm never going to do that. I'm going to do the opposite. And I think that's been kind of a constant North Star for me as I've, you know, look, we don't always live up to these things. I want to say that, right? Like, there's no perfection here. I fail this all the time. We all do. But I think it's a very worthy thing to strive towards. Absolutely. All right. And finally, where should people go to continue to learn from you? Where can they subscribe to the podcast? Where should we send people? Yeah, I would say let's send them to the podcast because that's where all the resources and stuff are. So that's ib4tl.fm in before the lock is the name of the podcast that Eric and I have. Obviously, brianoblinger.com or at brianoblinger on Twitter. I'm active all over the place. I'm in your Slack community as well as a bunch of other ones. So yes, you are. There's like a million and a half ways to find me on the internet. So carrier pigeon, cup and string, uh, whatever you got to do, reach out. Squirrel forums. 
Yeah, Squirrel Forums. I'm not going to tell you my username there that, that I'm going to dox myself. <laughs> but uh, yeah, come find me, come chat. I love this stuff, David. I love talking about community. It's, it's what I know. It's what I do. And I'm just happy to help people as, as much as I can. Likewise. Well, super grateful for you taking the time to chat with me today. It is always a pleasure riffing on community. Would love to uh, have you back on the show again later and cover all the fun topics we didn't get to today. But you've been a force in the industry, especially of late, just sharing a ton of frameworks and tools. And seriously, everyone should go listen to the podcast because it's incredible. And every one of the episodes, they also share like templates that you can copy and guides and like actual content that's outside of just the audio. So it really is like a full training program and community. If you just go through those episodes, you'll be a hundred times smarter in community. So grateful for all the work you're doing and uh, for sharing all your wisdom. Yeah. Thanks, David. I I really appreciate it. It's been a blast. All right, brother. See you again soon. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. Very cool. The Masters of Community is brought to you by CMX, the world's largest network of community professionals, and Bevy, the enterprise platform powering communities for the world's leading brands. This episode was edited and produced by Finesse Media. Music was provided by Seiji Cataldo and design was provided by Virginia DeMarco. If you enjoyed this episode, please drop us a review in iTunes. It's a huge help for helping us get this podcast in front of more people. We really, really appreciate it. And share it with your networks. The more people that learn about the power of community, the better. We have a new episode every week. So until then, thank you so much for listening and see you next time.